Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in today. I might not put the music in the intro today. It doesn't feel right. I don't know. I'll tell you why in a minute. If there's no music, don't be shocked. It's okay. I got a thing I want to start with today. Um, but here's where I want to go today to begin the show. Um, Kyrie Irving had a rant the other day. And the gist of what Kyrie Irving said, I'm not going to read it. It was literally like, I don't know, like five paragraphs. It's way too long for me to read on the podcast. Um, but the gist of what Kyrie Irving said was he had a long rant where he basically said sports don't matter. <laughs> and uh, I, I think, honestly, he had a, a, a solid point in one sense where you can argue, okay, guys hitting home runs and you know scoring touchdowns and hitting three-pointers, in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Fair enough. I, I get, you know, Eric Spolster, the head coach of the Miami Heat the other day, missed a game because his, one of his children was being born. I'm like, yeah, that's a, a real-life situation that is far more important than sports. But here's where I, I totally disagree with Kyrie Irving. Uh, yes, they are, they are kind of mundane. and Now, they're not mundane. Sports are kind of irrelevant in the scheme of things. They're not as important as other real-world topics, sure. But to me, they're everything. To me, sports are such a big, important part of my life. They, they matter so much to me. Um, you know, I'm having a really hard time in my personal life. I'm, I haven't talked about it. I've been very quiet. Um, it's, I'm, just, I'm just struggling personally, just behind the scenes. Um, and I encourage you, if you're struggling, please go get help. I talk about it all the time. Um, but I want to share why I love sports. Sports are so incredible to me because they help me find joy in a chaotic, kind of dark, tough world we live in. Um, sports are a break. You know, when I, when I sit down to watch a basketball game or a baseball game or a football game, it's a brief break from the world. I get to enjoy this one thing. Tonight I watched the Cowboys and the Bears and I had a wonderful time. I loved it. I had so much fun. And despite the heaviness of tonight, I was able to take my mind off of it. And it was great. It was awesome. And so I, I wanted to, I almost talked about this earlier in the week about Kyrie Irving and I didn't cause I was like, how do I fit it in? And I didn't want to read all four paragraphs, but I just want to say, man, sports are so valuable to me because when I'm struggling, it gives me a break. It lets me focus on other stuff. If that's how the show works for you, I hope you're having a great day. Uh, today, it's, it's 11.57 p.m. <laughs> it's, it's technically still Thursday, December 5th. Uh, we just had the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys play on Thursday Night Football. So if you missed it, in case you don't know, on Thursday Night Football, the Chicago Bears beat the Dallas Cowboys 31-24, to and the final score does not reflect how lopsided the game was. If you look at just the box score, you go, oh, wow, okay, it was a seven-point game. Not true. The Bears dominated the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. They're at, at halftime, they're, uh, they were up 17-7. to At one point, the Bears led the Cowboys 24-7. to The Cowboys scored a bunch of points late in the fourth quarter, uh, but do not, again, don't let that final score fool you. The game was not close. The Cowboys got dominated. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the Bears quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. We'll talk about their head coach of the Bears, Matt Nagy. We'll also talk about, of course, the Dallas Cowboys, their head coach, Jason Garrett, and their quarterback, Dak Prescott. I want to start today, though, with the Bears. I have to acknowledge and be honest, tonight was the very best I have ever seen Mitchell Trubisky play as the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I was so impressed. 
Uh, number one, he used his legs really, really well. He ran around. Running is a big part of his game he needs to lean into and needs to use more frequently. It's very important. It helps him succeed when he runs occasionally. Number two, um, he was very accurate. He made good decisions for the most part. Um, Mitchell Trubisky has an average arm, but he can still compete at an NFL level. When he makes good decisions, when he's accurate, he's phenomenal. And he was tonight. I was, I was like, wow, okay. All right. He had two decisions I didn't like. Both of them were where he was actually ironically rolling out to the left. Now that I think about it, he was outside the pocket, extending a play. He threw one of them was an interception along the, it was literally on the one yard line. Another one was actually a completed pass, but it was really ugly. It should have been knocked down. Um, but all in all, man, Mitchell Trubisky was great. He was 23 for 31 passing. He had 244 yards, three touchdowns. He did have that one interception. He also had uh, 63 yards rushing. He ran 10 times and another rushing touchdown. And this is now two weeks in a row that Trubisky has played really, really well. And tonight actually made me pause. I was like, oh, all right. And it made me wonder, have I been a little bit too harsh in the past? Earlier in the year, I was like, let's move on from this guy. He's not good enough. Is it possible? And maybe it is possible. I'll acknowledge it's possible that Mitchell Trubisky is still developing. Maybe, maybe I was just impatient. That's very possible. Now, I want to hold that thought. We'll come back to Mitchell Trubisky in a moment. I want to talk about the Bears coach. Matt Nagy is the Bears head coach, and he is one of the most wrongfully attacked people in the entire NFL. It drives me nuts the way people play and talk about him. It's insane. He's a really good play designer. He's great at designing screen passes. He came out of Kansas City. He's got a background. He's very similar to Andy Reid in that. He's great at designing screen passes. It helped a lot against the Cowboys tonight. And he's really good at designing plays that stretch the field sideline to sideline. There was a play on third and four where he had a, they had a throw to Tariq Cohen where it stretched, I think the word is, horizontally, yes, it made the, the defense stretch sideline to sideline, and it made it tough. That's a good play design. Multiple times I saw that. I was like, man, Matt Nagy dials up good play calls. And regularly this year, Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, has been blamed for their quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky's lack of execution. And you could argue maybe it is a coaching issue. You could say, well, preparation during the week is a problem. That's why Mitchell Trubisky's playing badly. Okay, fair enough. But people say the coach sucks. And the reality is, if the coach is designing good plays and receivers are open, but the quarterback either will not pull the trigger or throws inaccurate passes to receivers who are open, that's a quarterback problem. If people are open and the quarterback isn't delivering the ball, that's the quarterback, not the coach. I did a film analysis of Mitchell Trubisky earlier this year. That was the problem. Guys were open. Trubisky wasn't recognizing them or was missing throws just flat out. Despite some of the creative play designs he had, he was failing. So now we know. Tonight, against the Dallas Cowboys, this is what Mitchell Trubisky is capable of. Bears fans need to put Mitchell Trubisky on a short leash. They need to demand this every single time. Heighten your standards. You need to expect more from Mitchell Trubisky. 
He needs to regularly play as well as he did on Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys. Hold him to this standard. If he plays this way, he's the guy in Chicago. If he plays this way, I can embrace this. But we need to see this more. The fact that this is the really first time I've ever seen Mitchell Trubisky and gone, well, hot dang, that's great. He was good last week. Last week was, okay, we'll, we'll see. He's developing. Two weeks in a row now. Trubisky's been really good. He was better this week than he was last week. I want to see that this is better. This had better become a trend for Mitchell Trubisky. He's on a short leash. I'm not going to, if he's, you know, he's got, he better do this the rest of the year. But if he does, hey, I will acknowledge he's the guy moving forward. If you're a Bears fan, again, hold Mitchell Trubisky to this standard. Now let's talk about the Cowboys. I have a lot to say. Oh my gosh, the Cowboys are six and seven. They have lost three games in a row. And I want to start with the Cowboys quarterback because I actually love Dak Prescott. I do. Like I think people, because I've been critical of him and I've been honest with what I believe, people think I hate him. I don't hate Dak Prescott even remotely. I really like him. In fact, um, before recording this episode, I just wasted 30 minutes. Of my, I didn't waste 30 minutes of my life. I watched Gruden's QB camp, Dak Prescott. I, I watched all of it. I was eating dinner and I was like, okay, it's... It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm eating dinner. Who cares? Let's just enjoy this. And I did. And I had a glorious time. It was awesome. And I can't get over, you know, John Gruden was kind of poking fun at Dak Prescott, kind of, you know, pointing out his flaws. And Dak Prescott was able to laugh at himself and own his mistakes. And to me, that is so cool to have a leader who can say, yeah, I'm not perfect. I want to repeat this. I love Dak. And I think Dak is a franchise quarterback. His personality, he's consistently good enough. But I also want to say, under no circumstance would I give Dak Prescott a $35 million a year contract. No way. Let me warn you now. Don't do it. That's a mistake. Here's what I would do if I was the Cowboys. I've decided finally. You franchise tag Dak Prescott. You give him a franchise tag. He gets paid a lot more money, like I think like $22 million, something like that. Like millions of dollars. It's a, basically a one-year audition. Get him a new coach, and let's see how he does with a new coach. But as for this year, here's what's going on. Dak's accuracy has been an issue. The lack of accuracy for Dak Prescott has been a problem. He's throwing behind receivers. He's not as precise as he needs to be. And as the year has gone on, his footwork has become sloppier. Early in the year, I was like, wow, look at that footwork. It's phenomenal. He's regressing with footwork. And that's causing his accuracy to decline. What happens is when you play quarterback in the NFL, or I've never played in the NFL, but I played in college, and as a year goes on, your legs slowly start to degrade. It's just a natural thing. Your legs get worn down. And as Dak Prescott's legs have been worn down, his footwork has regressed. His footwork in lower half is not great. He's never had an, upper, an elite upper body. He's never had an elite release of the football. And the, 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 the kind of mundane, average upper half of his throwing motion combined with poor footwork, the combination is causing Dak Prescott to really struggle with accuracy. And that's kind of just who Dak is. He regularly throws behind receivers, but he also has really good moments. He had a, a throw down the left sideline against cover two into tight coverage. I was like, that's a great throw. It's a hole shot. Well done. Down the left sideline. I was like, that's a great throw to Amari Cooper. He has moments. He has flashes where he's great. 
And then he has moments where he throws behind receivers. He's not as consistent as I'd like him to be. And the reality and the, the honest truth about Dak Prescott, he's very good. He's just not as precise of a thrower of the football as I would like him to be. He's good, very solid, not elite. I think that's fair. Now, Dak is not perfect. I would franchise tag him. I want to see what he does next year. I think, again, maybe better coaching. He improves. And I think I do think Dak Prescott, however, is the long-term answer in Dallas. I like him. He's good enough to be there for years, and you can win with Dak Prescott. I believe in that. And the problem in Dallas is not Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is not the reason why the Cowboys are losing games. The problem in Dallas right now is their coaching. I think right now, immediately, the Dallas Cowboys need to fire their head coach, Jason Garrett. This is a huge deal. It matters. It's very, very important. The Cowboys have three games left. And they need to stop denying reality. The Cowboys are losing because their coach sucks. He's not good enough. And if your coach is the problem, but you don't fire him, then the good people on your team take on guilt that is not theirs. You don't want Dak Prescott feeling guilty for losing when it's not his fault, or Ezekiel Elliott, or Jalen Smith, or Amari Cooper. It's not their fault. It's the coaching. Keeping your coach is damaging the locker room. I'm going to make a very cliche analogy. It's a divorce analogy. Make jokes if you want. This is real life. This is my life. This is what happened. I love my mom and I love my dad. I love them tremendously. They had a horrible, horrible marriage. When my parents got divorced, it was one of the best days of my entire life. I know that's kind of weird and controversial, but honestly, it was a big relief. I was like, ah, finally, it's over. And now they're very happy. They're not together. They have great lives. They're separated. And everybody's happy. It's, it's such a wonderful thing. It's great. And my parents stayed together for years when I was a kid. I'm, I'm old. I'm 22 now. Um, but when I was a kid, my parents stayed together for years because they wanted to stay together for the kids. Do it for the kids. And that's a common thing in America and, and really in the world. Mar- bad marriages stay longer because parents want to stay together for the kids. And the reality is a bad marriage is much worse for the kids than divorce. The bad marriage also hurts your kids. Having a toxic relationship when there's a big problem can hurt the people underneath the parents. And if you, if, if you know anything about me and my, my life a little bit, um, you, know, you know that me and my siblings, myself and my, my younger brother and my other younger brother who's no longer with us, uh, we're pretty messed up. We're a, a messed up group. And I just want to be very clear. You got to get rid of Dak Prescott. You got to get rid of Jason Garrett, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, because he's making Dak Prescott a victim of a bad marriage in Dallas. It hurts the kids to have a bad marriage. It's hurting the Cowboys and their players to keep the coach. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. I'm very serious about this. The Dallas Cowboys must fire their head coach immediately simply to save your locker room. Do not deny the truth any longer. What really is awful is for you to lose games and just not own. It's it's the coach. The coach is not good enough. At least if you lose the next three games without 
Jason Garrett, you don't, you know it's no longer the coach. You gotta fire Jason Garrett. I think I would not be shocked. This episode's gonna come out early Friday morning. He might be fired two hours after this video releases, literally on YouTube. I'm not even kidding. It would not shock me. The Dallas Cowboys must fire their head coach as soon as possible. The longer they keep him, the longer it hurts their locker room. People are taking on blame that is not theirs. It is the coach's fault. It's not Dak Prescott's fault. It's not Ezekiel Elliott's fault. Think of any star player you can think of. Amari Cooper, Jalen Smith, anybody you want. The coaching is the problem in Dallas, and they got to solve that problem and neutralize it as quickly as humanly possible. Okay, uh, I want to shift gears now to Sunday. We'll lighten the mood a little bit. Um, There are six really good NFL games on Sunday. It's week 14 of the NFL season. Number one, the best game, one of the games I'm really excited for at least, is the Baltimore Ravens at the Buffalo Bills. The Ravens are 10-2, and two, the Bills are 9-3, and three. and this is a shot for the Bills to make a statement against a really good Baltimore Ravens team. I'm excited to watch, you know, obviously, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback, although don't forget, the Bills' defense is not awful. They are pretty solid, and I'm curious how Lamar Jackson matches up against the Bills. I think Lamar Jackson shreds them and does his thing, but I'm also excited to watch the Bills' quarterback, Josh Allen. It's just going to be a fun matchup. Two quarterbacks who were drafted last year in the same draft class, both in the first round. It's going to be a fun matchup. Both, again, the Bills are 9-3. and three, The Ravens are 10-2. and two. They're both playoff teams in the AFC. It's going to be a great matchup. Number two, we have the 49ers at the Saints. Both teams are 10-2. and two. Both have stout defensive fronts. I think the edge goes to the 49ers. If I had to pick a winner here, I would go with the 49ers, but I'm not sure, and that's why this is a great game. Saints, 49ers, in New Orleans, at home for the Saints in their dome. It's going to be a great game. I recommend you watch it. Number three, a game I don't know if you should watch it, but definitely pay attention to it. It's the Los Angeles Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both teams are 4-8. and eight. They're awful. But the reason to watch is because Gardner Minshew, the rookie quarterback, is starting for the Jaguars this week. Should be fun. I can't wait to watch. Now, here's a massive game you might not know is important, but let me tell you, the game I'm about to list is very, very important. It's the Tennessee Titans at the Oakland Raiders in Oakland, in the black hole, a really hard place to play football. The Titans are 7-5, and and the Raiders are 6-6. and Both teams are competing for a spot in the AFC playoffs. They're both competing for the sixth and final seed in the AFC playoff picture. This is going to be a huge game, really hard fought. I think it's going to be kind of like a boxing match. They're going to punch back and forth, and you got to be able to take a blow. Can you handle, who handles adversity better in this game? You throw a pick six, you have a big fumble. You, give a, you have a missed field goal. Who handles failure better in this game? It's going to be a huge momentum swing. Like Momentum matters in games, and never more in games that are evenly matched like this with two teams that are similar and both have a huge emotional investment in winning this football game. This is going to be huge for the implications of the AFC playoffs. This is happening in Oakland. It's the Titans at the Raiders. Number five, the the fifth game I'm excited for is the Chiefs at the Patriots. Uh, The Chiefs are eight and four. The Patriots are 10 and two. And you might think this is a very good, interesting game. Personally, I think that the 
Kansas City Chiefs could win by a lot. I don't know that the Patriots have the offensive firepower to keep up with Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. I don't know that they can do what they need to do to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. Going to be fun. I'm going to watch it. I think Tom Brady might struggle a little bit, and I think the Chiefs could actually win by like three touchdowns against the Patriots. Now, number six, the the final game I'm really excited for is the Seahawks at the Rams. This is a must-win game for the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks and 49ers are both 10-2. and two. They play in the same division. And every game here on out matters tremendously in the race between the 49ers and the Seahawks for the first place spot in the NFC West. Now, there are two games I want to give honorable mentions to. Number one is the Jets at, excuse me, it's the Dolphins at the Jets in New York. Uh, if you don't remember, Adam Gase, the head coach of the Jets, was last year the Dolphins head coach. It's hilarious to me. It's a revenge match. How does, does Adam Gase prove, hey, you made a mistake getting rid of me? I don't think so. I think the Dolphins upgraded at the coach. I think, you know, I think Brian Flores is a better coach in Miami than Adam Gase ever was and ever is at all now, even in New York. So pay attention to the Dolphins, Jets. Who wins there? Does Adam Gase get revenge against his former team? And then you have the Colts at the Buccaneers. This is more of a reunion than a revenge game. But if you remember back historically, Bruce Arians was very briefly the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He led them to the playoffs. Not really a revenge game, just more of a fun reunion in Tampa Bay. But the Colts at Buccaneers are two evenly matched teams. The Buccaneers are 5-7. and seven. The Colts are 6-6. Six and six. Should be fun. Um, I recommend it. Just pay attention to that game. See what happens. Those are the six games that I'm excited to watch on Sunday and then the two games that are kind of just honorable mention games in week 14 of the NFL season. Okay, uh, I have an odd story to talk about. I'm going to drink water first. This is a uh, this is an odd story in the NFL. Eli Manning was the Giants quarterback week one of the NFL season, and he was benched for rookie Daniel Jones going into week three. It's now week 14, and for a long time, Daniel Jones has been the guy in New York. Now, this week, Daniel Jones has a high ankle sprain, and for the record, Daniel Jones has been hit and miss. He's been, he's been a typical rookie quarterback. He's been great at times and been pretty mediocre to bad at times. And because Daniel Jones has a high ankle sprain this week, the Giants have announced that they're going to start Eli Manning at quarterback coming up on Monday night against the Eagles. And number one, I I do not understand this at all. It's very, very weird to me. Uh, First of all, Daniel Jones had a high ankle sprain last year in college at Duke. He played through it. He didn't miss any time. This is not a typical injury that causes you to miss time, particularly at quarterback. It's very bizarre. Um, It seems to me like the Giants just wanted a reason to bench Daniel Jones. I look at it and go, why are you not playing your starting quarterback? It's very odd to me. It seems more like the Giants just said, we're going to bench Daniel Jones. And the truth is that, you know, the weird, even more weird part about this is you're playing, it's Monday Night Football, a primetime game. Everybody in America likely is going to be watching. If you love football, you're watching on Monday Night Football. And you're playing against the Eagles, and the Eagles have a terrible, terrible pass defense. So it's possible on primetime, Monday Night Football, the world watching, Eli Manning comes in, and just decimates and shreds 
the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's horrible. That's horrible. That's bad optics for the Giants to have Eli Manning come in and do great. It's, it's very weird. And then how do you feel if you're Daniel Jones? You get benched. Your backup comes in, does phenomenal. And the reality is, I think, from a, the New York Giants front office standpoint, this was a game where you had an opportunity with Daniel Jones, a rookie quarterback, to play against a bad defense and have a lot of success. They could have had a lot of success with Daniel Jones, and he could have built some confidence from this game. Instead, they benched him. They're playing the backup quarterback. It's very bizarre to me. It feels more like marketing. It's like New York is saying, hey, we're going to give Eli Manning a really good send-off probably in his last, and definitely at least his last year in New York, if not his last career year in the NFL. And I just, I don't understand this. You had an opportunity to build a lot of confidence with Daniel Jones, have him have tremendous success against the Philadelphia Eagles. Instead, you benched him. You're playing your backup quarterback, which is just weird messaging all around. I don't get it. I honestly don't understand why Elon Manning is a starting quarterback this weekend. Um, it's just, I really thought that the Giants already moved on from Eli Manning. And the fact that they're playing him and starting him, we'll see what happens. It's just weird to me, and I think it's, it's bad for the young quarterback. It's bad messaging. It's weird. I thought we already moved on from Eli Manning. We meaning just them. I'm not a Giants fan or even associated with the Giants. Um, but all around, the Giants benching Daniel Jones, their quarterback, their rookie quarterback who they've, they're trying to build around and make their franchise guy, benching him for Eli Manning this week when it seems like he could have played just a very weird story all around. I don't quite understand it. Talk about things getting weird. Things are getting weird with the Cleveland Browns and Odell Beckham Jr. He's somewhat of a star wide receiver. And um, a lot of rumors are circulating. Rumors are, are flying around. People are saying that he wants out of Cleveland. And uh, when he's been asked questions about leaving the Browns and whether or not he's going to leave this offseason... He's given very vague answers. He said things like, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen. Or, you know, in the offseason, everything's going to figure itself out. What does that mean? Can you make, how about you say, I want to be here? It's clear to me if he wanted to be here, he would have said, I want to be here. I have two immediate thoughts when I hear what's going on with the Cleveland Browns and Odell Beckham Jr. Number one, well, first of all, it's clear he doesn't want to be there. It's the, the d relationship with OBJ and the Browns is damaged. And these are my two immediate thoughts. Number one, I thought of the New York Giants. I was like, oh, man. The Giants traded Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns. They sent OBJ to the Browns. In return, they got a first-round pick, a third-round pick, right guard Kevin Zeitler, and they got safety, who's a former first-round pick, Jabril Peppers. Basically, in the trade, they got three starting players for Odell Beckham Jr. They got Dexter Lawrence, the defensive lineman with the 17th overall pick, that first-round pick. They also drafted a linebacker from Old Dominion. He's a, he's a backup linebacker. But they got Kevin Zeitler, Dexter Lawrence, and Jabril Peppers. Three starters, all for Odell Beckham Jr. in that trade. And OBJ might not even last longer than one season in Cleveland. It's a sad thought. It's weird and like, ooh. It's clear to me, man, the Giants won that trade. Now here's my second thought. Be very, very, very careful with who you give power. Be very careful with the people you hire into places of power. Odell Beckham Jr. is unhappy. He might leave the Browns. He might demand a trade. The relationship might already be, already be too damaged to repair. 
and it's the head coach Freddie Kitchens' fault. This is an unintended consequence of hiring Freddie Kitchens. The Browns have had terrible play design all year. They have not used Odell Beckham Jr. properly, and they haven't thrown to him in big situations. Fourth down, third down. You need a catch. They haven't targeted OBJ. They've mismanaged their best receiver. We already know that the Browns hiring Freddie Kitchens was the wrong move. He should never have been hired as a head coach. He seems like a nice man. He clearly is in well over his head. He doesn't understand the PR of things. He doesn't understand how to be a grown-up. He wore the wrong shirt. There's all kinds of stuff. I go, Freddie Kitchens is swimming way over his head. But there's also, again, this unintended consequence. The Browns may have cost themselves a relationship with Odell Beckham Jr., Because they gave the wrong guy power. They had the wrong guy designing their offense, not using Odell Beckham Jr. properly. So again, the lesson here is be very careful with who you give power to. If things go wrong, if things fail, if failure occurs, you might have even worse consequences than you originally thought. This is just another example of how bad of a head coach Freddie Kitchens is. He seems like a nice guy. He's in way over his head. He could not manage and keep Odell Beckham Jr. happy in Cleveland. They're losing. They're not using OBJ properly. He's not getting the ball enough. I don't blame him for being upset. I'd be like, hey, I want to get an offensive coordinator who knows how to use my talent. I would hate being mismanaged as a player. And that is what's going on with Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland. I don't blame him for wanting out. I blame the people who hired Freddie Kitchens for the unintended consequence of hurting your relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. because you're not using him properly. All right, guys, that's all I have. Uh, a very short episode. I just want really the reason why we recorded this episode is I wanted to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, and I think they got to fire their head coach. It just to me, it's like very, very clear. Um, I want to. I say this every episode. If you're struggling, please go get help. Uh, three years ago, my younger brother took his life. It was painful. It was awful. Um, the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. My brother never shared his struggles. One day I went home, and I found him dead on the floor. <laughs> That's painful and awful. Um, and so I recommend, please don't suffer in silence. If you're having a hard time, tell somebody about your struggles. Reach out to somebody. Please go get help. Number two is I didn't do a good enough job making it clear to my brother how much I loved him, how much I cared for him, that I was there for him, and um, that he could talk to me. So I recommend it. Please, if you're out there listening, don't be afraid to have uncomfortable conversations and branch out and do talk about things with more depth than you know movies or sports or video games. Don't be afraid to have awkward, uncomfortable conversations and tell the people in your life how much you love them, how much you care for them, and that you're there for them. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I hope you have a great day. Uh, today, later, I guess it's, look, it's, Friday now, it's Friday night after midnight. Uh, it's, well, it's Friday morning because it's Thursday night after midnight. Later today, on Friday, I'm recording Ask Zach episode two. Um, I've got a film analysis in the makings. We'll do that. I'm going to watch the Pac-12 uh, championship game tonight. We have a lot of stuff coming. It's a weird short episode because like, I want to just get this content out. I don't want to sit on it for like two more days. Let's just get it out. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a great day. Enjoy the weekend of sports. If I don't see you sooner... Uh, I guess I'll see you for Ask Zach. I just, I just love you guys. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.